Hello everyone, it's Brandon Lewis. I'm excited to have you with me today uh, to talk about something that I think many folks don't realize uh, holds back their ability to achieve, holds back their ability to move forward, makes them less efficient and effective uh, in the office, outside of the office, robs them of happiness, and in the end, uh, really is is probably a, a bottleneck above and beyond what people realize, and that's conquering worry at work. Uh, and we're going to talk about lots of different terms. I'm going to use the blanket term, the older term, worry, uh, but it's also about managing the stress and anxiety that comes from living the life of an enterprising entrepreneur during the peak season. Uh, we have problems, we have issues, we have um, things that we deal with that normal people working a nine-to-five job simply do not have. And we're going to run through some of those and how we can overcome them as we walk through this today together. And of course, I'll open it up for um, any kind of questions or comments at the end. I always mute the lines as we do these presentations simply because of background noise. Many of you do not have a, a headset and it gets kind of noisy. So I'll open it up at the end. So let's talk about first why managing worry matters. Now, why would I even bother to over, to go over this? Um, I'm here primarily to help you with business growth, right? Here to primarily help you with uh, marketing, with sales, with a little bit of operations, personnel management. Well, the, the big issue, if we look at the big picture, and then we're, I'm going to bring it back to the marketing and the sales aspects, is that quality of life is the reason we're doing this, right? And we have a responsibility to enjoy our career. If we are constantly anxious, constantly stressed, it, it takes a toll on our physical and mental health. We feel terrible. Our blood pressure goes up. Cholesterol goes up. I mean, there's almost every single solitary health problem you can think of is tied to stress and worry, and running a painting business can make you stressed and worried. It compromises your relationship with friends and family. And if you can't be happy, what's the point in all this? We might need to do something different. Uh, so that's the big reason. So when I say worry, I'm going to kind of use this as a blanket term for stress, nervousness, overwhelm, frustration, anxiety, panic, paralysis, overthinking things, continually playing those little mental movies in our head. And as it relates to marketing, you know, it, it reminds me of this, this little cartoon here. We finally got through all the market research required to launch our new product, or we finally got through all the market research required to launch our new strategy, but we're retired now. Worry, uh, fear, anxiety, overthinking paralyzes us. It keeps us from moving forward, and it can stymie business growth. And so what worry does to business growth is it really limits your ability to grow your business. All of these things, that's why I'm bringing it to your attention uh, because I've had conversations and even people who won't readily admit it uh, find that that they can't move forward uh, on the financial advancement side. See, money-making activities, when you do marketing, when you do sales, they require you to be in a kind of a peak mental state. When you're implementing a new strategy uh, when you're learning a new sales process, when you're going after commercial repaints, when you're doing an estimate in front of a customer, and in particular when you're putting in new systems, when you're doing something new, learning a new skill, it requires that your brain be operating at like 100%. We can do a lot of other mindless things when our brain may only be working at 30%, but for business growth activities, typically you have to be fully engaged. You can't have a mind that's cluttered that's just crammed full of the 1,500 things that you're not doing, and it, it keeps you from focusing on the one thing that you need to be doing. Now, we can't do more than, than one thing at a time, but yet we, we feel anxious and worried because we're not doing it all. You need to be well-rested, energized. You need to have a little bit of mental margin if you're going to tackle these more complex systems. And in order to act right, and in order to do what we need to do, we have to feel right. And so our minds can't be cluttered, 
Uh, our thoughts can't be cluttered as we're trying to do these things. So, you know, our emotions and our mind um, go hand in hand, and we have to make sure that there's a balance there. So here's the biggest reason, if I could put it on a graph for you here. You may think, why in the world would somebody spend some time covering worry, anxiety, stress at work? Why would somebody even – this is sales and marketing, right? Well, here's the reason why I'm doing it. There's all kinds of changes typically that need to take place in a painting business for you to um, – manage your own personal calendar to get home early, to take vacations, to save up money, to pay down debt, to reach your financial objectives, to feel better about yourself, to get bigger and better self-esteem, to accomplish your goals, to uh, put your footprint on your area in the painting industry. If you look at this bottleneck, stress, anxiety, overwhelm, they cause delay, they cause procrastination, they kill implementation. So often the biggest issue that I face as a mentor is not teaching someone how to do a mail merge. It's not teaching someone how to get the sales words out of their mouth. It's not teaching somebody to edit a template. It's not teaching somebody to uh, find the decision maker. It's not teaching somebody to build a relationship with a referral source. It's not really even teaching somebody how to time block or create a to-do list. It's how do I remove this bottleneck, the stress, anxiety, overwhelm that causes people to set things aside and say, I'll get to that tomorrow, that causes people to say, well, if I can't do it all today in five minutes, well, I can't ever even start the process. It's this um, perception, this thinking that really gets us limited, and that's why we're addressing it today. So the first thing I want to get clear about is for you to begin to think a little bit differently about the real reality that you live in as the owner of a painting business. And I think this will help uh, take you a long way toward feeling better about the world you live in. Okay, Here, let's just go through a few of them. I'm going to go through these kind of quickly. Number one is customers are going to complain about projects. They're going to demand that things be done that can't be done, and they're going to belittle and in many cases disrespect you. That's going to happen. You can count on it. When you know that things are going to happen and that they are unavoidable and they are certain, when they arrive, they should not fluster, anger, or upset you because we know that that's going to happen. When we finally do get that phone call, we do get that email with an irate customer who's being um, unreasonable, we should just go, ah, I knew this was going to happen. I, I should be surprised it didn't happen earlier. I, I should be surprised there aren't more of them. Okay. Your employees are going to occasionally and in some cases frequently drop the ball. They're going to be ungrateful. They're going to be unethical. That's the world we live in. So when somebody doesn't show up to work on time and when somebody goes over budget, it's not that we don't try to correct it. It's not that we don't try to head it off at the pass. It's that when it happens, we just take a deep breath and go, that's about what I thought would happen. Let's see if, if I can do something a little different here. If you expect that these things will happen, when they do, it will be of no surprise to you, and it should not affect you, should not create stress, worry, or anxiety. Friends and family are occasionally going to let you down. They're going to take advantage of you. They're going to treat you worse than a stranger on the street would ever treat you. It's going to happen. When it does happen, you've been told now that it's going to happen. It should be no surprise. Like, I can't believe so-and-so did that, said that. Well, you should because it's going to happen. It's what happens. And... I just talked about three different people that can bring stress into your life. There are other things that happen that are kind of people-related, but not really. In your painting business, your leads will dry up. Market to your heart's content. School starts back, wintertime comes in, and sometimes just weird anomalies. Your leads dry, dry up. Sometimes you can, can do the PowerPoint presentation process to the nth degree and go a week and a half, a couple weeks when nothing seems to close. Projects will go over budget. 
not to say that we shouldn't do everything in our power to prevent them, but it will happen. Your schedule will be interrupted, especially if, if you've created an environment that invites it and does not deter it. And here's the big deal, probably the most important thing on this list. You will ignore and procrastinate doing important things, meaning that you will let yourself down as an owner. You are personally going to be the problem on occasion. You know, I'm very busy doing the things I don't need to do in order to avoid doing anything I'm actually supposed to be doing. You're going to do that to yourself. In fact, as long as I've been doing this, the biggest roadblock to our success has almost nothing to do with our external environment, our circumstances, or our skill set. It has to do with how we think about all these things and what we spend our time on as a result of our thinking either being right or wrong. So when you know that all of these things are going to happen, as I mentioned, it should let you think about things a little bit different. Um, you know, Marcus Aurelius wrote things called the Meditations, and I'll read this to you at length. And this is how you need to approach every day when you go out. I'm going to meet people today who talk too much, people who are selfish, egotistical, ungrateful. But I will not be surprised or disturbed, for I could not imagine a world without such people. Our life is what our thoughts make it. Uh, you know, truer words you'll never hear. But so often we, we take almost the exact, what I would call the negative picture of this, and by negative I mean not the, the, the uh, opposite of positive, but like when you look at a negative, if you can remember back to when we used to take pictures with film, uh, we look at the white as black and the black as white. We, we meet somebody who's selfish, who's rude, who's ungrateful, who disappoints us, and we cannot believe it when instead we should be saying, I, I expected this. I, maybe I expected it sooner. I can't believe it could, didn't happen before this. This is how I expected things to go. These are the kind of people I expect to encounter. You're basically experiencing the same stimuli, right? You're experiencing the same people. You're experiencing the same uh, situations, the same setbacks. But the way you feel about it makes you act differently, makes you respond differently. So now that we have a, a real frame of reference for what's going to happen and we kind of know what to think about it, I want to share with you something that you can do, uh, something that I do that can really help you in conquering your worries. And this is the, we're going to go through three strategies today. The first thing I want to say so you can remember it is before you worry, you should wait. Before you worry, you should wait. And the first step in wait in this an acronym is going to be write down what's worrying you and how you feel about it. Worry does not do well under scrutiny. Most of what we worry about never happens. Almost everything that happens is never as bad as what we think it's going to be. So the first thing we have to write down is what's worrying you. It could be I'm worried that my leads are dried up. Uh, I'm worried that I'm having a fight with my spouse. I'm worried that I won't find enough painters. I'm worried that I mean to get up and implement my marketing systems, but I don't do it. I'm worried that um, I'm not going to have the money to pay uh, the credit card bill this month, whatever it is. I'm worried that I won't be able to figure out how to do the presentation process write with the PowerPaint presentation process, whatever that is, write it down. And I don't mean write the little, the big things down, write it all down. Every single solitary thing. Often, if you do nothing else but this step, even if you never take any further action, you will feel immediately that your stress level is reduced, that your anxiety level is reduced. Uh, worry thrives inside a man or a woman's head. That's its, its environment. That's where it likes to stay. Worry and anxiety loves to stay. It's nice. It's warm. It's comfortable. And you keep rehashing and re-worrying about the same things over and over and over again. Worry loves to stay in your mind. Worry does not particularly like to be foisted down on a piece of paper. Okay? So the only difference between science and screwing around is writing it down. I think the guy from uh, Mythbusters. This is a quote from him on the History Channel, and it's true. 
everybody has grand ideas, everybody has grand ambitions, but the people who take those ambitions and those dreams and they put them on paper are remarkably more successful than those who don't. If you will put your worries on paper, you will be remarkably more successful at defeating them than if you just left them bumping around, sloshing around, and clouding up your mind, keeping productive thoughts and productive things from happening. Step two, and this is going to appear counterintuitive. I want you to assume the worst case scenario and accept it. Okay. Second thing in the WAIT acronym, I want you to assume the worst case scenario and accept it. And that means if you say, I'm afraid my leads are going to dry up, and it's making me feel nervous. Well, the next thing you need to write down is, what's the worst case scenario? Well, I could go a month without a single solitary lead. Now, that's highly unlikely. If you've been in business any length of time and if you're doing anything, it's highly unlikely. But that's probably about as bad as it could conceivably get. So, okay, I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to accept that I may not get another lead for 30 days. And that's probably not going to happen, but let's say that it is. Let's say if you're worried about finding painters. I can't seem to find quality painters. And just say, well, I may have to run my crew forever with just three people, with just six people, with just ten people forever. That's it. That's as bad as it could get. Could you live with that? Or every time I pick up one of the core five modules and I mean to do it, the phone rings, uh, the painters mess up, I get called for an estimate. What's the worst that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is that I will never, ever make any progress on any of the core five strategies, period, ever. Ever. Not one iota of progress. The worst case scenario. And you have to say, okay, I can accept that. Everything that is that's going on in your life that's negative, write it down first, and then two, just go, what's as bad as it could possibly be? And go, okay, if that happened, I, my life would still go on. It is very helpful, guys, to stare the worst-case scenario in the face and look at it and go, you know what? It wouldn't be the end of the world. I could, I could handle that if I had to. It's not what I want. It's not what I wish upon myself, but I could handle the worst-case scenario. I, okay, third step in the WAIT acronym. I want you to identify what you can do to, to improve the worst-case scenario. Well... I'm worried I can't get any leads. I'm feeling desperate. The worst thing that could happen is I won't get a lead in a month. But what could I do? Well, I could probably listen to module one, or I could look at referral lead generation, or I could call my 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 estimates that are open but not closed. Um, I've, I've done all of the commercial repaint stuff, but I could probably go and actually physically visit the campuses of these people. You start writing down everything you could do to take it from the absolute worst case scenario to something slightly better. Well, I only get three leads over the next month. Well, maybe this would get me six. Well, you know, if I do these three things and I get three leads each, well, that's nine leads. Well, what if I did this? And then you just start listing what you could conceivably do, what you could do to take this situation from terrible, awful, bad as it can get, to something that's more likely or even good or even excellent. So we've written down what worries us, what we're anxious about, what we're stressed about, problem we can't seem to solve. We've accepted what would happen if we never fixed that situation, if it got as bad as it conceivably could. And now we said, okay, what can I do? What can I personally do with my time, my money, discrete things you can actionably do, what could I do to improve that? Okay, now things are looking a little brighter. And then finally, you need to take scheduled action on your worries. Even if you do not improve your situation materially, doing something to improve what's going on in your world will make you feel better, and feeling better is worth something. And in many cases, it's worth a lot, and in some cases, it's worth more than anything else.
So you take scheduled action on your worries. You say, well, I'm worried um, because I, I've been procrastinating for the last week and a half not doing my marketing and sales. I know I should do it. I've not done any of it. Worst case scenario is I'll never improve. I'll never touch it. I'll never make any progress. Well, what could I do? Well, I could get letter one out the door. I could clean up my database. That's one thing I could do. It'd make it a little better. Well, when are you going to do that? Now, here's why I've got it underlined and why I've got it in red. If you do not schedule it in advance, you've probably got about a 30% chance of doing it. Once you schedule it, you probably take it to about a 60 or 70% chance. And the good thing is, if you schedule something and you don't do it, it goes on your worry list, right? Well, I meant to do it, and I've let myself down. It goes into the, the last category that we talked about uh, not too long ago about events that can happen. Sometimes we let ourselves down. And we go, well, I can schedule it again. And in the second time, you take a run and start at it, and you get started, and you get through with it. Well, now you've improved your situation. That relieves your mind, makes you less stressed, makes you less anxious, makes you less worried. So wait. We're going to write down exactly what's bothering us. We're going to assume the worst-case scenario. We're going to accept that. Then we're going to identify what we can do to improve the situation. Then we're going to take scheduled action to improve that worst-case scenario. And that's going to relieve a lot of your worry. It's going to relieve a lot of your stress. And so the fact is, as I mentioned previously, I don't know if you ever watched the episode of The Simpsons when Bart was frying the ants. That's what it reminds me of. Worry does not hold up well under the scrutiny of the pen and a person who thinks and acts. What worry really likes more than anything to take over and, and kill your chance of success. Worry loves to live just in your mind. It loves to live in that dark area where it can play and replay little negative movies that never happen. It likes to get between you and doing anything. It likes to get so ingrained in your mind that you can't think clearly about the blessings you do have, the abilities you do have, uh, the advantages you do have, the tools and the strategies at your disposal. That's where worry likes to live. Uh, it's almost kind of like a virus. You know, the HIV virus has, has done untold damage, but it can't live outside the human body for any time at all. It's very weak when it's exposed to light and air, right? Well, worry is exceptionally weak, exceedingly weak, when it's, explored, when it's exposed to a piece of paper, when it's exposed to a man or a woman thinking about the thing they're worried about, and when it's later exposed to the worst of all things is action. Worry does not hold up very well under the pen, under scrutiny, and under action. That's one of the best ways you can defeat worry. So that's strategy number one. Strategy number two is to get your ire up. And ire is another word for anxiety, another word for stress, and that's why I use this acronym. And that is to identify, reduce, and eliminate what I call your worry triggers. Okay. I-R-E, identify, reduce, and eliminate worry triggers, things that cause stress and anxiety, things that kill productivity, things that induce procrastination. Yes, induce. So a stimuli is something, it's almost like a catalyst. It sets a domino effect. It begins a domino effect. It may start small, and it may snowball, or it may put you from uh, 0 to 60 full panic. Full worry. So the question I would ask you is what stimuli, what habits or actions seem to induce worry, stress, and anxiety for you on a daily basis while producing little or any benefit? If you are stressed, if you are stuck, if you are procrastinating, what stimuli, what habits, what actions seem to make it worse, seem to get it started, seem to stop you in your tracks from getting to where you want to go? So let's talk about number one is interruptions. Emails, calls, and conversations that offer very little value. You should only be checking your email maybe a couple of times a day. Any more than that's a waste of time. Drags you away from doing 
uh, productive things. Calls. You need to limit those from field personnel. You need to try to train them to solve their own problems. And customers, for the most part, don't really need to reach you every living moment. That's why answering services, other things like that, are important conversations with people. Hey, I got a quick question. There's no such thing. You've got a long question. If you've got a long question and you've not thought real hard about it, now you're going to come in here and interrupt me and bother me and borrow my brain to solve a problem that you probably know the answer to. So we've got to make sure that we, we reduce those things. Okay? And somebody's got their hand up, and I will come to you at the end. I appreciate you using that raise the hand uh, icon, and I'll make sure when we get into questions I come to you. But I'm going to soldier on so we can get through this within the hour, something I promise people we will do for these webinars. Events. You get a call back. Your day goes from wonderful to terrible. A customer complains. Same thing. You show up for an estimate. Somebody's not there or one of your employees doesn't show up for work. Somebody's missing a pressure washer tip. Now you've got to spend an hour and a half in the car. See, these are events that can throw you into the kind of what I call seizure, can seize you from really seizure activities and keep you from doing what you need to do next. Time sucks. Browsing the internet. There's hardly anything on there worth looking at. Listening to the radio. If you're like me, if you, I used to listen to talk radio all the time, and all it did was get me mad and get me anxious, get me distracted from work. TV, you got to be real careful about what you watch. I mean, there's a, there's a saying, stand guard at the doorway of your mind. We all know that we shouldn't be drinking Clorox with our evening meal. Um, but what we put in our mind, and that includes both what we consume through electronic devices, what we consume through TV and radio, uh, is it can be detrimental to us. Just as terrible people uh, who are not influential, uh, who are influential in our life, can be bad for us. So we've got to limit and be careful about what we allow in our mind. Social media. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg and a lot of other folks have done a really good job of basically letting you write the content that has made them millionaires and sucking hours and hours out of people's life in order to feed a platform for advertising. And you can be, you got to be careful that they have not manipulated you into spending countless hours enriching their life while hurting yours. You got a picture here of a wife and a husband, uh, neither of which that are looking or talking to each other sitting over dinner. This may be happening with your kids, it may be happening during work, it may be happening all over. And study after study has shown that when you spend a lot of time in front of an electronic device, especially during working hours when you're trying to run your painting business, that it's going to sap you of productivity. You need to stay away from these things during the day. You need to focus on the things that you mean to do but you haven't got around to. Use these times, sacrifice, take from these times, and put them into a better a use for your time. So the first thing I want you to do is when you write down your worry triggers, again, worry triggers do not hold up well under paper, under scrutiny, any better than the actual worries. You go, how can I eliminate it? I mean completely get rid of it. You may think this is crazy, but I took my emails and my social media off my phone about a year ago. I don't miss it. It has not hurt me in my business. It has not hurt me in my relationships. I, I just don't want it on my phone. It took me about three months to quit checking it. If you're constantly interrupted by phone calls, you could get an answering service, right? If you're constantly interrupted by staff members, you could create a process whereby they write down what the problem is. They write down the best way to solve the problem. And then if they're not 85% sure, they call you. But they can't do that until they go through the exercise. So that'll eliminate probably 80% of the calls you get. There's all kinds of things, and that, that's not eliminating it. We get to the next one that's reduced. But some things you can truly 
just throw in the trash can. Just not even worry with the worry triggers. If, if, if you're listening to programming that gets you upset, then just throw it away. If you start off your day uh, all clouded and worried, and when you get into your email inbox and you start responding to things, the next thing you know an hour and a half is gone and your most productive part of the day when your mind is fresh has been used for routine $10 an hour activities instead of $100 an hour activities such as maybe doing a sales call, implementing a module, then you just you just say, I'm not doing that during these times. Okay, And if you can't eliminate them, you can reduce them. Again, as we just spoke about uh, crew members calling you all the time, trying to borrow your brain, what I call time vampires. You develop a system whereby they write down the problem, they write down the solution to the problem, and then they pick the best solution, and if they're not 85% sure, they call you. Are you still going to get phone calls from your staff? Certainly. Will you get as many? No. Okay. If you're fixing problems in the field all the time and running errands unexpectedly, well, creating a simple checklist and walking through uh, that checklist for equipment and supplies and materials with your crew leader before they leave, is that going to eliminate you ever, ever, ever having to run something out there? Maybe, if you make the crew leader now do it, but occasionally there will be a situation where you'll need to have to do it, but you've reduced it. When you reduce something that causes you stress and anxiety by about 90%, that's a win, right? So you've got to set boundaries. Boundaries is also about deciding when you're going to worry and when you're not. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And, and if I don't get to it, I'm going to spend some time here. You need to pick a time every day when you quit working. I don't know anybody who the success of their painting business is tied to the number of hours they work. Not a soul. Not that there aren't times that you're not going to hunker down and work, but mainly what separates the successful owners from the unsuccessful is what they do with the 40 to 60 hours they do have. The unsuccessful owners are doing routine, low-dollar stuff. They're constantly interrupted. They're unfocused. They don't schedule their time. They don't have lists. They don't focus on implementing the high-dollar things. They, they make excuses about why they can't get to those. The most successful ones just allocate little bitty parts of their time. Of their 40 hours, they may pick four hours. It may be eight hours, but they just work on marketing and sales. And then everything else just has to catch fire and burn. That's a rule. They've set a rule that you know, Wednesday morning from 8 to 12, I'll work on marketing, and if everything else falls apart, that's okay. That's my rule. Uh, they decided that at 6 o'clock, they leave, and they leave the laptop, and they leave the cell phone out in the car and everything else, and they spend time with their family, and guess what? They show up the next day, and the business is still there. Now, you might have an aggravated customer who called you at 6.30, and they wonder why it took you to the next day to get a hold of them, but that's okay. That doesn't happen that often, and it's worth the time you get to spend with your family without worrying about business, right? you got to set boundaries. And if you set boundaries on how long you're going to work, when you're going to go home, you'll discover you can cram in everything you need to do. And we'll talk about that a little further here in a minute. So another strategy, and this is strategy number three, we've gone through weight, we've gone through ire, so we've written down our worries, we've identified our worry triggers, so the first thing I would like to ask you to do now, if you want to get rid of, of, of business worry and anxiety, is to recognize what I call the precursors of worry. This takes a little while to do. Uh, and, and I should have started off by this. I know I sent an email out, uh, kind of, I suffer from worry and anxiety, always have. Uh, unnatural, when things are good, when things are bad, it's gotten a lot better over the years. But I have to re-learn and re-remember and sometimes I fail myself in this category. So a lot of this stuff I'm talking to you about is real close to home for me. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying I've got it licked. I'm saying I'm doing better, okay? Um, the precursors of worry. Muscle tension. Right now, if you're watching this, this webinar, um, how's your neck feel? How's your back feel? Are your shoulders up about an inch higher than they should be? Let those things down. Take a deep breath. When your body gets all tensed up, when you're, it gets, just lay down on the floor, close your eyes, relax for five minutes. Uh, 
and when you feel anxiety and when you feel tension coming on, when you recognize it, if you can recognize it for what it is, and if you can take a deep breath and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to respond to this stimuli, whatever it is. I'm going to ignore the call. I'm going to ignore the call of worry and anxiety. I'm going to relax. I sense that I'm doing it again, that I'm getting all wound up when I shouldn't. Negative mental movies. When you spend your time playing over in your mind over and over again all the terrible things that can happen, this is, again, where worry likes to live, right? Worry loves to live in your mind unchallenged by rational thought without any action taken. That's where, that's where worry loves to live. We can't let it live there. When you start feeling sad, you can feel it, you know it. And one other big thing that, that you need to recognize is what I call an OCD loop, an obsessive compulsive disorder loop. And that's where when faced with a difficult task, instead of doing the difficult task, you spend your time, you decide, okay, well, I've got to do this difficult task, it, it, and I know I need to do it, and I know that it would relieve my worry, and I know it would go a long way, but I really need to check my email. It might be somebody have emailed me, and then you, then you check your bank account balance. Then you check your text messages. Then you surf on social media. Then you go get something to eat. Then you sit down, and now 15, 20 minutes is gone, and then now you check your email again. And then you go through this OCD loop, this thing that you do, and it could be writing estimates, it could be responding to people, it could be checking on your guys, it could be looking at tomorrow's schedule. We all have a little ritual, usually what I would call a procrastination ritual, an OCD loop that we walk ourselves through to keep us from doing the things that are truly important in life. When you catch yourself in the OCD loop, you might walk yourself back up to this slide and go, it, are some of these things, these interruptions, are they my worry triggers? Does it start this OCD loop that causes me anxiety and stress and keeps me from doing the things I need to do? And once you recognize them and have identified them and written them down, it's hard for them to sneak up on you. Does that make sense? When you've identified the perpetrator, when you've put them in a lineup, almost like a think about a worry trigger is like putting something up in a police lineup. When you have seen the face of the thing, the activity, the behavior, the thought that causes worry, and you say, ah, there you are, you son of a bitch. Excuse my language. I shouldn't have said that. There you are. I see you. Next time you come around, I know what you're up to. You're here to make me worried. You're here to make me stressed. You're here to, uh, to take me away from achieving my financial dreams. There you are. I recognize you now. You're in the full light of exactly what I know you are. Next time I feel you coming on, I'm going to quit doing you. Now, one other thing to do OCD loops is to interrupt them. So when you feel like you're going to start checking your email and you're going to go through this OCD loop again or you're going to start playing these negative mental movies – I recommend doing something like getting up from your chair, getting out of your vehicle, stretching, taking a brisk walk outside, laying down and taking a nap. I take about a 10-15 minute nap just about every day because when I get mentally tired, instead of doing what I need to do, I start going through these OCD loops. Now, if I would just rest for 10 or 15 minutes, I could get up and work again, but I feel like I'm being lazy by resting when in fact I'm being smart by resting. If I rest for 10, 15 minutes, take a quick nap, I can get another hour and a half, two hours out of my work day that's really highly productive. If I don't take and sacrifice that little 10 or 15 minutes to feel better and to rest, then I have zero working good productive times. You may find you have the same thing. Go, Brandon, it's hard for me to do that. I know it's hard. Drive to a local church park in the parking lot, leave the car running, lean the seat back, take a rest. Okay? Whatever you got to do to break these OCD loops, to treat yourself well, to keep the anxiety from from happening. So, what can you do to keep worry at bay? What I'd say is to keep the wolf at the door. Okay? How do you keep the wolf at the door? I think again, like I said, Worry does does very poorly when it's identified on paper, 
when a when a thinking rational person assesses it, really drills down and 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 notices it's not that bad when you take action. So hobbies. If you got free time and you tend to worry with it, do something that causes you to mentally engage to the point where you can't do that and worry too. Instead of sitting around and and just vegging out, find something you and your spouse or your kids can do. It could be board games, it could be mental games, it could be anything where you spend time mentally engaged doing something. You can't worry while your brain's trying to solve a problem, win a game, do a puzzle. Exercise, there's a, we're going to get into that a little bit deeper here. There's tons of benefits to that. Reading, reading the right stuff, reading good stuff. If you got bad thoughts, uh, if you've got anxious thoughts in your mind, if you've got worry that's keeping you from doing things, reading about people who have beat worry, reading about uh, ways to conquer it, become an expert. If you've got a problem, become an expert on solving it. Read what you need to, okay? Strategy number three, continued. Create a hostile environment for worry. We've already talked about what kills worry, right? Written plans and schedule, what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, when you'll stop working. Worry does not like when you're in control. Anxiety, stress, procrastination does not like it when you have looked out at your calendar and you are managing your time instead of letting external events manage your time as they show up. That's where worry likes to be, is in the midst of chaos. The more structure, the more predetermined time blocking you can put into your schedule, not what am I going to do for the next hour, but looking at your week and setting big blocks aside for key activities. Worry hates to see a man or a woman doing that because they know that you're boxing out the opportunity for failure. you got to box away this time. So I want you to think about the day before vacation. If you're going on vacation and if you're leaving some things in the hands of other people, it's amazing what you get done on the day before vacation, isn't it? You've got this fixed deadline. you got to leave. you got to catch the plane. You get more done in the day before vacation than almost any other day. Same day, right? Same person, same problems, same opportunities, same business, same employees. Different approach. What happens? You have to make a list of all the crap you got to do or you're going to leave and be in trouble. So you make a list, right? you got to look at your calendar and go, okay, what's the most important thing? And you do the most important thing first. All the same things that you do when you're forced are the same things that work when you're not forced. And if you will work every day to some extent as if you were going on vacation the next day, then you'll never have to be worried. You'll never have to cram anything in. You'll just take things as they come in a very scheduled fashion about leaving work at an appropriate hour, about setting boundaries. There's a point of diminishing returns. Again, I don't know anybody who I could look at the success of their business and say, here's the reason he's successful. He works 100 hours a week. She works 100 hours a week. No, it's because I don't. most people who work themselves into a frazzle aren't very successful, and they're certainly not happy. There's a point of diminishing returns where you're better off just cutting it off, doing something you enjoy, spending time with family, exercising, whatever, and getting an early start the next day. Don't work past that point. There's no point in it. You'll get nothing done. So staying physically helpful is important. Worry loves someone who's out of shape, unrested. Uh, you want to talk about when I'm the most worried is when I don't get sleep. When I've stayed up the night before and I've drank one beer too many and I went to bed at midnight, I, I can't do it anymore. i got to be in bed you know, about 10 o'clock, i got to get up at 6 o'clock, i got to watch what I eat, meaning I don't need to eat a big meal, I, gotta, I mean everything. It's like you get older, like you really can't do the same things. Exercise and diet, you don't have to be Lance Armstrong, you don't have to be uh, some Olympic athlete, but you, you need to stay in shape because worry loves you when you're out of shape, worry loves you when you're, when you're uh, not rested, and when you you chug lots of caffeine or lots of alcohol or whatever else, you you make your brain imbalanced, worry comes in. It sets up. I mean it's almost like it's like a it, it is like a virus. If you give a virus the good conditions, it will 
it will breed and expand. If you make it to where uh, the environment's hostile, it can't, right? And so finally, uh, or one of the last things we'll cover here, and then we'll spend 15 minutes or so talking about questions and then whatever it is you do that helps you with, with getting things done, avoiding procrastination, avoiding stress and anxiety, is to ask for outside help. Um, if you believe in something bigger than yourself, uh, prayer is important. You know, if you're a Christian, open up the Psalms. Uh, if if and 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 do what you need to do. It could be meditating. It could be um, clearing your mind, going on a walk. It could be doing whatever it is that you need to do to go outside of yourself to find the help you need to get your mind right. And you don't have to be, in my opinion, in a catastrophe of anxiety and stress and overwhelm before you look for outside help. It's not like you got to have your back against the wall and be about to fall apart. It's healthy to do it as you go, okay? If you need counseling, find it from your pastor or professional. And then conversations with friends, advisors, and mentors in many cases can be better than any kind of professional help you can find. Frankly, I, I prefer to just get my advice for the most part from people that have done stuff and who have lived a healthy, balanced life uh, and who maybe haven't had their nose in a counseling book their entire career. Uh, I think there's times for both both situations. So uh, if you've got that kind of thing and it's holding you back in your business career, then search for it. And so you need to focus on what you control, right? An, an internal locus of control. We There are certain things that we have no control over. Often we let those cause all our anxiety and our stress and our worry. All we can in, All we can control is how we interpret things, right? Somebody didn't show up to work. It's not... I hate this business. I hate that person. Everything always goes wrong for me. I can never get ahead. It's, well, that stinks. Somebody didn't show up to work. I guess I'm going to have to figure out how to fix this problem. And then I probably need to focus on my recruiting activities. Or I need to go back to my database that I've already built through my recruitment activities, hopefully, uh, is the situation you'd be in. And I, I need to make about three or four phone calls. Uh, this is not how I wanted to start my day, but it's not the end of the world. See, same thing, but we're going to respond to it differently. So if you use the strategies we've talked about today, uh, you can eliminate lots of worry, needless worry in your life. So again, why did I do this? Why did I go through this? We're in the middle of the peak season. Owners are pulling their hair out. You know, uh, It's a good time, but it's also a stressful time. It's a time when we're abounding in opportunity, when the market is kind to us, meaning that we get more estimate requests, there are more things being painted. But managing all of it can be a challenge. Worry is like a roadblock on the road to success, and it is a big one. A worried man or woman cannot get the things done that they need to get done. They can't feel good about the things they have gotten done, and we imagine things are going to go haywire. We imagine the worst when, you know, again, when we take the worry out, we write it on a piece of paper, we look at the worst thing that could happen, we try to improve the situation, and we get started on it. Worry, in many cases, just evaporates. It's a paper tiger. It is a paper tiger if we know that that's what it is, and we'll treat it as such. So right now, I'd like to go uh, to y'all. If you have any questions, type them in or raise your hand, uh, and you can do that by clicking the little raised hand button in here. And I am going to go to Chuck Gilmore because you have a hand raised beside you. And if you have any questions or if you've got any advice, if you're on the line and, and, and you found a way that has made you more organized or has reduced stress or anxiety and, and or a book you've read or anything and you think it's helpful and if you think the group needs to go about it, raise your hand. Now Chuck just put his hand down. I'm confused now unless he accidentally pressed it. I'm going to unmute Chuck anyway. Chuck, it's Brandon. Can you hear me? Chuck Gilmore, it's Brandon Lewis. You are live. Can you hear me? Testing, one, two, three. Okay, maybe check, Chuck just pressed the raise your hand button by accident. If you have a question, Chuck, just uh, click the raise your hand button again, or you can uh, type in your question, either one, bud. Thank you for being on the call. Let's see, looking at my questions here, I don't have any. Again, guys, this is a good time. Um, if you got questions or if you need any help or if you want to share something that's been helpful to you, uh, this is a good time to do it. So don't, you know, don't be shy. 
if there aren't any questions, we'll wrap up early. I always try to make sure we get out uh, within the hour on these calls. Anybody got any questions? You can either type them in or just click the raised hand button. If not, I'm going to probably wrap us up today. Guys, I hope you found this helpful. Uh, I would appreciate, I know for sometimes this is a personal issue, um, sometimes just admitting that we have anxiety, that we have stress, that we have overwhelm, that keeps us from going as far as we should or want to especially men, uh, and, and for the most part, we have lots of men uh, in our profession. It's as if we've ad admitted some kind of personal shortcoming, uh, like we've got a third eyeball or something. I'm sorry, running a business is stressful. Uh, everybody goes through it whether they say it or not, and how you manage it to a large degree can either limit or eliminate your ability to be able to be successful. And so um, I really hope that y'all have found this helpful. And if you would, shoot me an email, a personal email, if there's something I can help you with. And if you've got something to share, I uh, would love to hear about it. And Chuck says, did not have a mic to respond. Good words of advice. Thanks, Chuck. Chuck, thank you for being on the call. Thank you for typing that in so I could see it. I want to make sure we didn't miss you. Um, so that's all I've got today, guys, and I, I did it because two reasons. Uh, there's some of our members who just are are bold enough to come right out and say, Brandon, here's, here's what keeps me from getting things done. And so I wanted to go through this. And then uh, some members uh, have not really said it, but have expressed it in conversations. I can hear it in their voice. Uh, they, they kind of betray themselves a little bit, and that's why I did this. And hopefully it's been helpful to you if you found yourself in the category and, and you've got the, the good sense and the wisdom to admit it so that you can fix it and try to move forward. Uh, and if not, I hope folks that, that weren't here uh, on the call today can hear the recording and find some encouragement in this. So thank you all very much. Uh, I think about you a lot uh, personally. And I talk to my wife a lot about you. And uh, one thing uh, that I pray about when I go to bed at night is, you know, make sure, Lord, that I can do a good job to help our members. Because I know that so many of you have, have gained tremendous success uh, from implementing our systems. And I know that some people are on the cusp of getting where they need. And they just need a little extra encouragement. And there, there may only be a day or two's worth of decision making between getting where they want to in life, solving some huge problem, having some huge breakthrough. And so uh, that's why I you know, put that in my prayers is that if I can help you, uh, that that I, I get the strength and the wisdom to do that. So thank you so much for, for being on the call today. If I can ever help you, again, I'm always an email away. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon.